So if you guys will, turn to the book of Revelation, all the way over to the very last chapter, Revelations 22, verses 12 through 21. It says this, And behold, I am coming quickly. This is Jesus speaking. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates of the city. But outside the city are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in churches. I am the root of the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say come. And let him who hears say come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires let him take the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part in the book of life from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies of these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. There's not a lot of new information right there. It's mostly reminders. It's a reminder, though, of some critical things. It's a reminder of critical themes that must be considered and reconsidered and then must be responded to. And we should keep in mind that passivity in response to the truths presented to us is a response. So not responding is a response. And our human condition, friends, is that we tend to settle. We choose the created things rather than the creator. We prefer the gifts rather than the giver. We settle for making mud castles in the backyard when, friends, we are invited to the beach to make sandcastles. 
We're invited to an infinite pleasure and eternal joy in the presence of God. That's what heaven is. In heaven, people whose greatest desire is Jesus will receive the object of their desire. They are forever satisfied in the presence of God because they didn't settle. There was a boy about elementary school age. He was doing pretty poorly in school. One day, he gravely approached his teacher, went up to her desk and said, I don't want to scare you, but my daddy said, if I didn't get better grades, somebody was going to get a spanking. <laughs> that boy illustrates perfectly humankind in that we all tend to think that somebody is going to get a spanking but nobody thinks it's going to be them we are deceived we are blinded to the truth we want to think that we are better than some and that being better than some is the standard for avoiding divine punishment. Byron Langfield said, Rare is the person who can weigh the faults of others without putting his thumb on the scale. Church, we do not have the ability to accurately assess our own faults in comparison to the faults of others. In my eyes, my mistakes, my personality defect, my sin is not a big deal. Oh, but your misstep, even though it may be the same as mine, is dreadful. And particularly if it affects me. You know what the funny thing is? The funny thing is we put so much emphasis on this. And it doesn't even matter. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter where we rank among the world's people. We could be the best, most moral, most loving, most giving person on planet earth and it wouldn't make a bit of difference because God does not grade on a curve. On the last day, we're not going to be comparing ourselves to anybody else. We will stand before the Almighty. We will stand before God Himself. We will be overwhelmed by Him. We will be consumed by Him. He will be the standard for righteousness.
how we stacked up to our friends and neighbors and co-workers and classmates and relatives and pastors and politicians and even deranged dictators will not matter one iota. Even the best of the best of the best have dishonored God by settling for something less than God. Even the best of the best has failed to love God with all their heart. Even the best of the best have come up short of what God wants for them. And you know what? We do this by choice. Our behaviors and our attitudes are symptoms of hearts that prefer our own way and not God's way. We want what we want. We don't want God to have His way. We want what we want and we want it now. We think we know what's best for us. There's this picture of divine punishment among many where God gives us time to repent and then at the end of life, the person who didn't repent cries out to God for his mercy and God says, nope, too late. But I don't think that's biblical. People that are in hell are not repenting. They're not wishing they chose differently. They don't wish for God's presence. Friends, it wasn't their great desire while here on earth. It's not their desire then either. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, Thy will be done. And those to whom God says, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. No soul that is seriously and constantly desiring joy will ever miss it. Friends, if we are seriously desiring joy, we will find it. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, to them it is open. All God does in the end is give people what they want most. This includes freedom from himself. If what we want most is to be free of God, then in the end, that's just what we will have. The title of my message, the final message, we are choosing on earth what we will have for eternity. The final message, we are choosing on earth what we will have for eternity. The presence of God, which is heaven, or the absence of God, 
which is hell. People say th things like, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. It doesn't matter what religion you are as long as you worship with all your might. And to those, I would add, it doesn't matter what you eat as long as it tastes good. If you like it, it can't hurt. All three of those statements are nonsense. You can be sincere and still be wrong. Believing something doesn't necessarily make it true. Now Jesus claimed to be the only way. Church either is or he isn't. If he is, then he is worthy of our worship. He is the only thing worthy of our worship. Friends, today is the day to get this figured out. Right now, right here, this morning. Jesus said, look, I am coming soon. He goes on down and he says, yes, I am coming soon. He said it twice. So that must mean there's something to it. But spoken 2,000 years ago, are we still supposed to take those words seriously? 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 10. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation, but they deliberately forget that as that long ago, by God's word in the heavens, came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the earth was, the earth, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, kept, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. 
church in the days of Noah, year after year. Noah's out there with his boys building that boat. And year after year, his neighbors and community walked by scoffing at him, making fun. And then, oh, and then the rain started. You know, we have scoffers right now. People who make fun of Christians for believing that Christ is coming back. For those who have ruled out the supernatural, soon has a very short range of meanings. To them it means now. They scoff because they can't conceive of 2,000 years being soon. They can't conceive of anything beyond this 70 or 80 years of life that we have here on earth. A day is like a thousand years. That's what's called a metaphor. It's not an exact mathematical formula. It's an ex expression that indicates that God is not contained by time like we are contained by time. It's hard for us to grasp this because in our culture today, we have fast food, we have microwave ovens, we have high-speed internet, where information is readily available. God's glorious purposes will be accomplished in His perfect time. God's timeline is not our timeline. And life operates on God's timeline. Jesus is coming soon. The events are underway to bring this to completion. Things are already in motion. It's a certainty. He will not be delayed. He will arrive on perfect time. And he will arrive suddenly. If eternity is represented by a line stretching across this stage from that side to that side, and our time on earth, our life, is a little dot on that line, where are we right now on that dot? Where are we on the line? Are we in the middle? Are we over there at the beginning? Or maybe we're down at the end. Or is there any, is there even any great significance? The real key, the thing to know, is what we believe in Jesus. Do we really believe? He is the Alpha and Omega. 
the first, the last, the beginning, the end. If we do, then we know He is Lord. Not only of history, but also of eternity. He was before time began. He was before creation, through whom and for whom all things were created, who holds all things together. He is reality, the center from which comes all justice and righteousness and truth and goodness. Things only exist because they are His very nature. When everything else passes away, everything that has competed for our affection in our lifetime, when all of that is shown for what it really is, Jesus alone remains. He is the Omega, the last, the end. If we rejoice in that, if we look forward to that day, if we believe that, we will therefore wait patiently with great expectation for His return. If He is who He says He is, then His return is definitely a certainty. Because He has declared it. We can wait patiently yet with great expectation for His return, knowing that, friends, He's coming, and He's coming suddenly. Either Jesus Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, or our physical body will give out and we will see Jesus face to face. Friends, today we are one day closer than we were yesterday. It's coming quickly. This past week, I saw some disturbing photos. Some really bothersome photographs. But like a car wreck, I couldn't bring myself to look away because they were pictures of Byron and Titus from about five years ago. It was frightening how much they have grown up in five years. It was bothersome that time can go racing by so quickly. And I have concluded that if five years went by in a snap, And the five years before that, the next five years, or the next 50 years even, if I'm given that many, will be here and gone in another snap. Soon, quickly, suddenly, and without delay, What can we do? Peter says, 
to live holy and godly lives as we look forward to the day of God. Live a life that reflects to the world that Jesus is who we treasure more than everyone else, more than anything else. And we do this in preparation for an eternity of worshiping Him face to face. Jesus said in verse 12, My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what he has done. Then he continues down there in verse 15. Outside the city are the dogs, those who practice magic, arts, the sexual immoral, the murderers, the adulterers, the, and everyone who loathes and practices falsehood. Human beings are born with this religious bent, trying to earn God's favor. What can I do to make things right with God? What can I do to secure my blessing and favor with God? And I would say most people who consider themselves Christians unfortunately treat Christianity just in this manner. They read verses like 12 and 15 from a religious point of view. Jesus gives everybody according to their deeds. So if I do good enough works, I will go to heaven. If my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, I'm going to heaven. Folks, that's wrong. Verse 15 indicates certain kinds of people who will not be in heaven. So they think, well, if I stay off that list, I'm okay. That's wrong. The point is that people are passionate. People who are passionate about Jesus won't be in heaven with people who are passionate about something else. And if we are passionate for Christ, friends, think about your own lives. You probably haven't always been that way. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor uh, idolaters, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanderers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But, don't you love the but in there? But, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Whatever your sin, and most of us are probably on that list in a couple of places. Is that who you are? Is that who we are? Or is that who we were? Have we been washed, sanctified, and justified? Not that we are now perfect and that we don't still struggle, but has our worship been reordered? 
Maybe we've never thought about it like that. But spiritual birth, being born again, is really a reordering of our worship. A reordering of our desires. Do we now treasure Jesus above physical pleasure and material wealth and the adoration of men and everything else? If so, we've been born of the Spirit. It's still a struggle. But it's a struggle because what we really want is Jesus Christ and all these other false gods are still clamoring for our affection. To be clear, salvation is a gift of God. Titus 3.5 says, He saved us. He saved us. Not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy. Faith is a gift. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Believing in Jesus is a gift. Philippians 1.29, For it has been granted you on the behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him. Friends, repentance is a gift. 2 Timothy 2.25, Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. We can't even boast about how smart we are or how spiritual we are or how holy we are to receive these gifts because all that was given to us as well. Now heaven is not earned, but there are rewards in heaven. Jesus is coming soon and his reward is with him. He's been saying this all along. Matthew 16, 24 through 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world but yet forfeit his soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is coming, is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Hebrews eleven six And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that, his re that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Having faith, among other things, means that we can expect to be rewarded for our acts of obedience that flow from our faith. We can expect Jesus to be worth it. And friends, He is worth it. 
If you don't believe that, then you don't have faith. If you do believe it, then it's going to show up and show out in our lives. I can't say that I worship Jesus above everything else when I'm embezzling funds from my company. I can't say that I... Uh, I can't say that Jesus is my great treasure if I'm cheating on my spouse. I can't say that I value Jesus more than everything else while I'm plotting a revenge. What is it that we really love? Deep down, do we really love our sin or do we really love Jesus? Whichever it is, it's going to show up in the way we live. Isn't Jesus worth sacrificing temporary and earthly things for eternal joy with God? Friends, if the Spirit of God is working on you this morning... Listen to him. Are you being called to repentance this morning? Repentance is a 180. Turning from the emptiness of worshiping lesser things to a life in Christ. It's time to change our mind about what we're hoping in. God Forgive me for trying to quench my thirst with this sewer water. I have come to you for living water. You know what he says? He says, come. He says, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Notice who he just invited. Let the good person come. Let the nice person come. Let all you tithers come. Let all you Bible memorizers and Sunday school teachers come. That's not what he said. He said, let the one who is thirsty come. He said, let the one who wishes come. Take the free gift of water, of the water of life. It's for everyone who believes that Jesus alone is the water that will quench their spiritual thirst. So my question for you this morning. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty this morning? If so, why don't you come? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for being here with us this morning, bringing us all together under one roof, under your 
comforting hand. Father, I ask that if there be one here that you are speaking with this morning, Lord, let him take that step of faith and come down this aisle and take a drink of that free gift that you offer, that water of life. Lord, how good it is. Father, help us to turn from these earthly things that we think are so important and help us to turn this morning to what is really important and that is your son Jesus. Lord, and that's who we thank you for because if it was not for his sacrifice on that cross, we wouldn't have this open door to communicate with you. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.